0: Just a delight to be here, and we love your pastor and his wife so much and are so thankful for their friendship and are so grateful for the kind invitation to be here today. I'm thinking God wants to do something today. And I believe people came with a need. If you have a need and you want to bring it to God, just lift your hand to him and say, Lord, I'm trusting you to perform your mighty power in my life. I'm believing for you to do a work in my heart, in my mind, in my spirit, we give you praise, O oh Lord. We give you praise, O oh Lord. Amen. I'm reading this morning from the book of Ephesians, chapter 3. And I'm going to read just two verses of scripture, verses 20 and 21. I'm so grateful to have my family with me today. My beautiful wife and beautiful daughters. God bless them. Heidi, Anna, and Sophia. And uh, Anna will be joining us this evening. But I'm so grateful that my family is here. And of course, uh, my wife's first time to Palm Bay, uh, she, was, she was brought down here kind of by surprise, and I asked her to marry me right here in Palm Bay, Melbourne, amen, and she said yes, she said yes, so we have a lot of fond and wonderful memories uh, here and are so thankful for this great church ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us unto him be glory in the church by christ jesus throughout all ages world without end amen Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. And by the help of the Lord, I just want to preach to you this subject, the unprecedented power of God the unprecedented power of god can we lift up our voice one more time and ask the blessing of the lord upon this time we have god i thank you for your word and i thank you for your presence god i ask in jesus name that you would have your way in this house move in our midst Lord, I pray that your word would have free course, help us, in Jesus' name, to receive from you. Lord, let your mighty power, let your glorious spirit move so deeply and mightily among us. Perform the miraculous among us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Fill people with the Holy Ghost, we pray, in Jesus' name. Show forth your mighty power, we ask in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. And amen, you may be seated in the name of the Lord. The first president of the United States of America, George Washington, was overwhelmingly selected, elected for the position of uh, the presidency. He really did have a great deal of respect from those fathers, founding fathers. He has become known as the father of our country. He understood something about that, the enormity of that task, becoming not only the president of the United States, but the first president of the United States. One of the things that he so keenly understood was... That everything he did was going to matter because not only he was the head of state, but he was the first and thus would set precedent with every decision that he made. So he made very deliberate decisions when he was, when he was president because he understood the influence that he would have on those who would follow him in that role. One of the things that he did, for instance, was that he decided he would only seek two terms in office because they were very wary of ever giving power to a king to to rule over over the nation as they had experienced in times past. So he said, I'm going to, I'm only going to allow myself to serve this one term and then a a consecutive term and, and those two terms will be the only terms that I will allow myself to serve and then I'll make way for another leader to step in. And he said, because this is the way, this is the way I want to do it. I understand I am setting precedent by what, by what decisions I make. It was wisdom. It was wisdom. Precedent has a lot of power. Precedent has influence on, on just about anything and everything. There are so many things that we do that, is influenced they are influenced by precedents that have been established in our life and in the lives of others so much of our world and nation and society operates on the basis and the premise of precedent some things we don't even realize but precedent is sought after in every field for instance a judge is looking for legal precedent When he has a case presented to him, he or she will search and scour the records, the law books, the law journals to see what precedent exists to to identify such a ruling. And, And then their ruling will be determined often by the precedent that has been set. If the precedent itself is not faulty, then the precedent is going to carry the day. The lawyer knows this and brings this before the judge because, because he knows and the, the, the very weighty matter that precedent is. And so the lawyer will present the case and the judge will view the case, both of whom are, are looking at the matter of precedent. In the medical field, it's the same. If you bring symptoms to your doctor, the practitioner of medicine, the practitioner of medicine is going to look at those symptoms and... Compare them to previous examples of similar symptoms. Look throughout those histories of medicine and treatments for similar sicknesses and say, this is how we're going to treat this because these symptoms are, are telling us something. They've told us something for years and, and there's a precedent as to what these symptoms may be and there's a precedent as to what medicine might treat these symptoms and and it's really it's that way across any field you choose even as a pastor i find myself often searching for precedent and somebody brings something to me and i'll hear what they're saying and immediately my mind starts searching and researching and rehearsing experiences that i've had in the past where i i think now now it seems like i've heard this before i know somebody who has been through something Similar to what I'm hearing right now, and I want you to know that you're gonna make it out. All right I want you to know that I've seen people face these kinds of challenges and I've watched God be faithful to them And God is going to be faithful to you. I want them to understand you are not alone You're not walking this path by yourself. Hallelujah. I know people who have walked this path before i 've seen them experience this kind of a challenge before, and, and, and even in the, uh, even in the, in the other sense, the sense of be careful because we 've seen people go down a wrong path before, and there 's precedent for those instances and so it 's important to to pay attention to precedent. In fact, the Bible uh, speaks of a matter of precedent in this way; it refers to a testimony. A testimony how many thank God you've got a testimony I thank God for every testimony that's represented in this house every individual who can stand and say I've been through the fire but God's been good I've been through some struggles I've been through some trials but God has been good to me we ought to we ought to declare with our mouth the word of our testimony Hey, can I remind somebody that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. If God's been good to you, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Hey, the world isn't going to say it. I said this world isn't going to say it. So let the redeemed say it. Let the healed say it. Let the delivered say so hallelujah i've got a testimony it's so encouraging when you stand in the house of god when you stand in the church and and you know of someone who has been through a fiery trial and they come up on the other side and they say let me tell you that i learned through that experience that god hears and he answers prayer They stand up and they say i learned in that experience that when you feel so low god can raise you up god can set you up hallelujah upon a rock upon a firm foundation there's encouragement that comes from testimony this is this is a a strengthening experience i i had a lady call me one time and she said pastor joel listen i i uh, i just got a bad report from the doctor And I said, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. She said, yeah, they say I have cancer. I said, I am so sorry to hear that. She said, oh, I'm not scared. I said, you're not scared. She said, no, no. She said, they told me 23 years ago I had cancer. They said I was going to die back then. She said, God healed me then. God's going to heal me now. I'm not scared. That was 18 years ago that she told me that. She's in her 80s now. God did heal her. God did bring her through again. listen the bible says tribulation worketh patience and patience worketh experience and experience worketh hope hope maketh not a shame sometimes when we're experiencing tribulation we don't know what that means and we feel uncomfortable with it but let it work itself out the trying of your faith worketh patience let Patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing because that patience is going to create an experience in you and that experience is going to be an experience of God's delivering power that Experience is going to be an experience of God's healing power And when you experience that, it's going to give you hope. Hope for every future trial. Hope for every future crisis. And hope maketh not ashamed. In other words, you will never regret putting your faith in God. You will never feel like a fool because you hoped in the Lord. Hey, let them mock you for trusting God, but when the smoke clears and the dust settles, I thank God I trusted Him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Hallelujah. It sounds like there's some experienced people in this house who have been through a trial here or there and you found out God is faithful and you found out his word is true. You found out his word is true. Oh, yes. David said to King Saul, I hear that, that uncircumcised Philistine out in the valley of El, Elah, and he's threatening the armies of God's people, and he said, I can take him, let me at him, I can take him. Saul said, every, every man here is cowering, Why, what makes you think you can take him? He said, because I have precedent, <laughs> I've had experience, I have a testimony. There's a precedent in my life. I remember when the lion came in upon the flock. And God delivered me out of the hand of the lion. I remember when a bear came in on the flock. And God delivered me out of the hand of the bear. And the same God. Oh, I wish I could preach that for a little while. The same God. Because he is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. The same God that delivered me out of the hand of the lion and the bear is the same. God, who's going to deliver this uncircumcised Philistine into my hand. Hallelujah. David believed in the precedent he had experienced already. In his walk with God. He said this in Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Whom shall I fear? He said when my enemies. See he he's describes an event that occurred in his life. He's thinking back to a moment in time. When his enemies and his foes came upon me to eat up my flesh. He said, I I don't even know how to explain what happened next. I'm just going to tell you what resulted. They stumbled and they fell. They were about to devour me. But they stumbled and they fell. They were, oh my goodness, they were so close. They were going to eat up my flesh. But something tripped them up. They stumbled and they fell. Band He said, now, because that happened, he said, let me talk about the hypothetical. Though war should ever rise against me, though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. In this will I be confident. See, you don't know what war would rise against you in the future, and you don't know what host could ever encamp against you, but don't let your heart fear. You've got precedent that when the... wicked even your enemies and your foes came upon you to eat up your flesh they stumbled and fell fight that bear and win you never know when you're gonna walk out into the valley of Elah and find a giant everybody is running from but you're not afraid because you have an experience you have precedent you have a testimony I've been here before (laughs) I know he's a healer I've been here before I know he's a peace speaker i've been here before i know that god is exceeding abundantly able to do above all we can ask or think i'm not afraid of the lion i'm not afraid of the bear i'm not afraid of the giant just not afraid because i have precedent those great heroes of faith in hebrews chapter 11 They're listed one after another. We could go through each of them and there's so many beautiful truths associated to their lives. Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and Joseph and on and on and time would fail me to tell you, the writer finally said, of all of these who through faith subdued kingdoms and turned to flight the armies of the aliens and those who quenched the violence of fire and stopped the mouths of lions and, 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 and they were sawn asunder and they, they faced such heavy persecution. The world wasn't even worthy of them. And then the writer said this, wherefore seeing we also are compassed about With so great a cloud of witnesses. That's a legal term, pastor. You know that better than I do. It's a legal term. And what does a witness have? A witness has a testimony. We are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Hallelujah. That have been there. That have done that. That have been through the lion's den. That have been through the fiery furnace. That have come out of the whale's belly. Hallelujah. They've been through it and they came out all right and now they're in the great cloud of witnesses saying you can make it. He's a faithful God. Keep on keeping on. These things are an allegory for us. They're an ensample unto us. That's what Paul said. He said these things are an allegory. They, they, they were a real life lived by Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. But, but while they were living out their life, God was using it all to teach us. We can make it. We can make it. Who's, who's receiving instruction from the life you're living right now? It's going forth as a lesson, a testimony, as a precedent, as an experience. There's power in precedent. There's power in testimony king hezekiah had king hezekiah had received the word of the lord from isaiah the prophet he was sick he was so sick and he called to the prophet isaiah and he said i am so sick he said please give me the word of the lord please give me some hope the prophet isaiah walked into his room and said hear ye the word of the lord this sickness is unto death you're not going to live you're going to die And he walked out. And King Hezekiah was was devastated. And he turned himself to the wall. And he started praying to God. And he simply said, Lord, have mercy. Have mercy on me. Look upon my life. Have mercy upon me. He cried out to God in such a vehement passion. Such a depth of his spirit. Listen, it was the will of God that he die. But he cried unto God and asked God to have mercy on him. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. It never, It's never the wrong prayer to pray for the will of God it's never the wrong prayer to pray for the will of God but sometimes we resign too quickly and say well it just must be the will of God for this calamity to happen listen don't ever stop praying don't ever stop praying you believe that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think regardless of what things look like right now King Hezekiah had heard the word it's God's will that he's going to die he's definitely going to die the sickness is under Death, he turned his face to the wall and said, God, have mercy on me. And something happened very unusual. God was like, All right, Isaiah, go back, go back, go back. I mean, service was over. Isaiah had already preached, he'd already delivered the word. He was a stake and shake. And God said, Go back, go back where? Back to Hezekiah. I got a new word. I want you to speak a new word into his hearing. And Isaiah walked into that room and said, There's a new word. God has a new word. He's going to deliver you from this sickness. You cried unto him and he heard your prayer. Oh, I feel like I need to tell somebody something right now. Don't ever stop praying, you don't ever have to stop praying. Don't you give up praying when you feel so beaten down, so broken, so hopeless, so helpless, like there's nothing else that could possibly go wrong and and it just must be the will of God. Don't you ever stop praying. You call unto him. He is faithful unto you. He will hear your faintest cry. And Isaiah said to Hezekiah, this shall be a sign unto you. That the Lord has heard your cry and He's going to heal you. The sundial will go back 10 degrees. I mean, that's an amazing miracle in and of itself. That God actually took time and reversed it by 10 degrees and said, This is going to be a sign unto you that the sundial is going to go back 10 degrees. And King Hezekiah, what an amazing miracle that is in its own right, but it's not unprecedented. There was precedent for that whole experience of God tinkering with time, dealing with the sun, making the sun do certain things that it doesn't normally do, messing with the day if you please. There was a day when Joshua was called upon by the Gibeonites who were surrounded by five kings and armies and the Gibeonites were under assault and they needed help and they called upon Joshua and the children of Israel to come and help them and when Joshua walks out there he goes down in the anointing of the Lord to wage war against the enemies of the Gibeonites and when he steps down into that battle the Lord begins to discomfit the enemy and it, Joshua has great victory over them this mighty man of valor is removing the enemy left and right but then something shifted the day started to expire and the night began to draw near and now Joshua's up against something he needs God to do something now he can make a he can make a permanent victory happen right now bishop if I can if I can have a, a giant sized miracle right now I can really do something and he said I'm going to ask God to do something I've never heard of anybody asking God to do I'm going to ask God to perform a miracle I've never seen God perform and he said son Stand thou still over the valley of Agilon. Moon stand still, everything stop. And the Bible said that God had never hearkened to the voice of a man before or since like he did on that day with Joshua the son of Nun. Now, when the sundial went back 10 degrees for King Hezekiah, that was a pretty amazing miracle, but it had precedent. However, when Joshua called for for the sun to stand still, the earth to stop its rotation, for just long enough for the day to suspend, just long enough so he could continue waging this war against the enemies of God's people, it had never been experienced before. I thank God for precedent, but I've come to preach to you about the unprecedented power of God. I thank God for testimony, but I've come to preach to you about miracles you've never heard anybody testify about. I thank God for every experience we've had with the Lord. But I've come to declare if you've never heard of anybody healed of that disease, God can heal you of that disease. I've come to tell you that if you've never heard of anybody being delivered from that bondage, God can Deliver you from that bondage because he is exceeding abundantly
1: able to do above all, all
0: that we can ask or think. <laughs> Hallelujah! Glory. When Elisha took that mantle of Elijah and smote those waters and said, where be the Lord God of Elijah? And those waters parted hither and thither. That was amazing, but he had just seen it happen, Brother Richie. Elijah did the same thing. Just a little while before that took place, he, he parted the waters of the Jordan hither and thither. Elisha saw it. It was a great miracle. But that wasn't the first time those waters parted. There was precedent for those waters parting. When the children of Israel came to the Jordan River, they were about to enter into the Promised Land. They didn't know how they were going to get across that Jordan River, but Joshua said to the priests, "Go put your feet in the water." And those anointed priests of the Lord holding on to the staves of the Ark of the Covenant put their feet in the water of the Jordan River and the Bible says that the waters were cut off before the Ark of God. The waters could not stand under the power of the glory of God resident in that Ark and they were cut off and the children of Israel saw those waters part hither and thither but that wasn't the first time it happened no there was precedent for it joshua remembered very well when his pastor pastor moses had led the children of israel out of egypt into the wilderness and now he's on his way to the promised land and they come to this it's a part of honestly it's part of the map but it doesn't make any sense it's the red sea they don't know how to get across it and there's, they're standing there with the Red Sea in front of them and the Egyptian army behind them and the mountains on either side. And people are saying, we knew you didn't know what you were doing, Moses. <laughs> It'd just be better if we go back to Egypt and Moses is saying, what do you, what do you think I am? You know, I, 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 Einstein, what do you think is going on here? I don't, know how to, I don't know how to navigate this, but I do know one thing. If we will stand still, we will see the salvation of the Lord. Now Moses had no precedent for what he was saying. He didn't know if the ground was going to open up and they were going to be ushered through a tunnel under the water and up on the other side. He didn't know if they were just going to be translated in a and lift it over to the other side he didn't know if some great big helicopter was going to come down pick them all up take them to the other side or maybe the waters might part and they could walk through on dry he didn't know what miracle was about to happen but he knew God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think he didn't need a precedent. He didn't need an experience. He had a God who is able. He had a God who is able. Hallelujah. I want you to know, ladies and gentlemen, that on that great getting up morning, when all the saints shall rise, when the roll is called up yonder, we're going to be there. When you're baptized in Jesus' name, filled with His Spirit, you're baptized into the body of christ that's the resurrected body of christ and you're filled with his spirit that spirit dwells in you it raised christ from the dead it'll quicken your mortal body I want you to know that when this corruptible puts on incorruption, this mortal puts on immortality. At the last trump, the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. And this mortal body is going to put on immortality. And then the saying that is brought to pass, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh death, where is thy sting? Oh grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law but thanks be to god who hath given us the victory through our lord jesus christ therefore my beloved brethren be you steadfast unmovable always abounding in the work of the lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the lord we're going to rise from the dead and be with him forever in his glory that's the most amazing miracle it's the it's the center it's the core of the whole gospel but but we know it's true because jesus is our precedent he is the first fruits of that very resurrection whoo hallelujah hallelujah up from the grave he arose he arose with healing in his wings He came out triumphant over death, hell, and the grave. Look, I know Easter was last Sunday, but anybody still excited about the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Anybody still excited that he rose triumphant over death, hell, and the grave, subduing all principalities and power under his feet? Glory. His disciples went down to see him and he wasn't there and the angel said why seek ye the living among the dead he is not here he is risen and is alive forevermore And they were amazed. They forgot everything he said about destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. This spake he of his body. They forgot all about the fact that no sign will be given to this generation except that of the prophet Jonah. Even as Jonah was in the belly of a whale for three days and three nights. So shall the son of man be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. They forgot all about the fact that he was going to die. He was going to be buried and he was going to rise from the dead. Forgot all about that. They were amazed when he rose from the dead. They were just absolutely enthralled and astonished. But, but they, had they had precedent. Jesus was told, your friend, your friend is sick, nigh unto death. He let him die. When he died, he said, our friend sleepeth. He said, let's go see our friend who's sleeping. He waited four days after he was dead to show up. When he got on the scene, Martha, Lazarus' sister, comes to him and says, if you would have been here, my brother would still be alive. And Jesus said, your brother's going to live again. She said, I know he's going to live again in the resurrection. Uh, He said, oh, so you're one of those people who think the resurrection is a a date on the calendar or just a a place in time or a a, a Thing that will happen one day the resurrection is a person and I am the resurrection Pleased to meet you. I am the life he that believeth in me though. He were dead yet shall he live Mary the other sister of Lazarus comes stumbling out of the house. Tears streaked down her face, fell at his feet, said the same thing Martha said. "If you had have been here, my brother would still be alive." But she said it in a different posture, humbled, sincere, brokenhearted. She said, if you would have been here, my brother would still be alive. To her, he did not merely give her a revelation as he did Martha, but to her, he offered a demonstration. He said, show me where you have laid him. You see, it matters how you approach God. If you just come strolling up any old way you want to, then you might understand some things when the conversation is over. But if you will humble yourself, fall down at his feet, call to him out of the pain of your heart, he will demonstrate for you his mighty power and glory. Show me where you have laid him. They brought him to the place and he said, Lazarus, come forth He who had been dead for four days came up out of that grave, and everybody was astonished. They all marveled. But that wasn't the first time it happened. They had precedent for people being raised from the dead. Jesus stopped a funeral procession. The widow of Nain's son had died, and he stopped the whole funeral procession, said, All right, stop, reached inside the casket, and brought the dead boy back to life. Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, came to him. And said, I need you to help me. My daughter is sick. She's nigh unto death. Jesus began to walk toward Jairus' house. And as he is on his way, the people are preventing him from passing through. Imagine how frustrating that must have been to Jairus. His daughter is sick. Time is a ticking I need you to get there and fast. Put the pedal to the metal and the press. The people is, is too congested for Jesus to get through. He, Everything, every time he moves, somebody else is in his way and he's trying his best. And the whole time, this little girl is languishing, nearly dying, and time is wasting. He, It has to happen quick because once she dies, she's a corpse and it would be unclean for him to touch her. Somebody finally came to Jairus and said, it's too late. He said, trouble not the master because because your daughter just died. Jairus' head slumps. Right about that time, he hears Jesus say, who touched me? And when everybody's eyes look to where Jesus is looking, the crowd clears and there's a little lady with an issue of blood. An issue of blood, this means she's unclean. She touched him, the hem of his garment. She touched the hem of his garment. And when she touched the hem of his garment, that would make him unclean. Uh Except he's cleaner than any uncleanness he will ever encounter. It might make a normal man unclean, but it won't make this sinless man unclean. This sinless man is more pure than any impurity you can bring to him. This sinless man is more holy than any unholiness you can bring to him. I'm gonna tell you, you haven't, you haven't drifted so far that the love of God can't reach out to you. You haven't dropped so low that the love of God can't reach down to where you are. You haven't been so bad that the love of God can't make you good. He's cleaner than you are unclean. Glory. And he looked at that lady with the issue of blood and said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And when Jairus realized, when he realized that he was willing to overcome her uncleanness with his purity, he'll do the same for my daughter. He said, come on, Jesus. Let's go to my house jesus walked in they laughed him to scorn he sent the doubters out you see if you doubt you get put out i don't want to be put out i don't want to be a doubter i want to be a
1: believer <laughs>
0: he said if you doubt get out they all got out who doubted? And he raised that little girl from the dead. Talithakumai, made a rise. He lifted her up and brought her out, showed her to her family. And it was an absolute amazing miracle. But, but, but that's not the first time somebody was raised from the dead in the scriptures. Elisha raised the son of the Shunammite woman back to life. Elijah raised the widow of Zarephath's son back to life. There was precedent for these things. God said to Abraham, Abraham, take now thy son, thine only son, whom thou lovest, get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of as a burnt offering. And Abraham just, he hears it and he goes into motion. He's like, all right, Isaac, let's go, we gotta go. He said, "Let's get the wood. Let's get the rope. We got to go offer a burnt offering unto God." So they are gathering everything up. Moses, Abraham doesn't even Abraham doesn't even stagger. The Bible said he staggered not at the promises of God. He's just gathering up his stuff and he's moving where he needs to move. And they take the servants and they they go they go yonder and they're drifting. They're they're, they're following wherever God tells them to go. He said, "Just go yonder and 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 I'll tell you when to stop." And Isaac is saying. Uh, you know are we there yet and abraham's like i'll tell you when we get there once god tells me we're there we're there finally god said stop that's it you go on top of that mountain and you offer isaac as a burnt offering unto me and abraham says all right isaac let's go up he looks back at the servants he said you abide here you stay here i and the lad will go yonder i and the lad will go worship I am the lad will come again to you. (laughs) He takes Isaac up to Mount Moriah. On the way up, Isaac starts getting a little curious because he sees the wood, he sees the knife, he sees the rope, he sees the fire. He sees everything except the lamb. And he says, hey, dad, where is the lamb for a burnt offering? I'm just curious. I mean, I'm not the lamb, right? I'm cool, right? And Abraham said, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. (laughs) And when they get to the top, I mean, Abraham's just like, all right, he lays the wood in order, gets it all set up. All right, Isaac, you lay down here. He straps Isaac down to the altar. Now, Isaac was as willing a participant in this obedience to God as Abraham was. Isaac could have resisted easily. But he says he's as obedient and faithful and believing as Abraham is. And and he's strapped down to the altar. And Abraham's not hesitating. He just grabs the knife, sharpens it up a little bit, lifts it up. And I mean, he's about to bring it down. And the angel of the Lord says, stop. I got it. You fear God. You trust God. All right. That's awesome. And behind him was a ram rustling in the thicket that God had provided as a substitute for Isaac. Isaac. Jesus said, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. Before Abraham was, I am. That was the day. Abraham saw the day of Christ. Because what that ram did for Isaac is what Jesus did for me. It was supposed to be me on that cross. It was supposed to be me wounded, me bruised. Me stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. But he took my place. Abraham had no hesitation. He wasn't afraid. There's no record of it anyway. There's no trepidation. He's just like, We're going go. to go yonder worship, come again to you. Everything is going to be all right. We can trust God. And Hebrews 11 tells us how. It says that by faith, when he was tried and was to offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice, he accounted that God was able to raise Isaac up from the dead. no precedent of a resurrection nobody who had ever been raised from the dead before that moment Abraham never heard of anybody being raised from the dead never saw anybody raised from the dead there was no book of first kings or second kings there was no gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke or John yet written he had never seen it, never heard about it but he knew that God is able he knew that it doesn't matter what I face my God can do anything he can do anything I don't know what you're facing right now. I don't know what trial your family's going through. But my God can do anything. Maybe you don't have any precedent for someone in your family being saved. I want you to know God has unprecedented power. You can be the first one. Maybe you've never seen somebody healed of the sickness you've been diagnosed with. God has unprecedented power. He's exceeding Abundantly able to do above all We can ask for (laughs) a Somebody lift your hands right now if you believe what I'm telling you From the word of the Lord Come on, lift your hands right now If you need a miracle, hallelujah If you need a miracle, hallelujah, hallelujah
1: hallelujah <laughs>
0: <Woo>. <laughs> yes 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 glory come on i don't you know maybe they haven't found a cure but god has unprecedented power he doesn't have to have a cure his blood is the cure his name is the cure Maybe you can point to so many statistics of those who have fallen, those who have been broken, those who have been decimated. But it's time for you to stand up in this house as a testimony and say, my God can do something I've never seen him do. I've never heard anybody testify of him doing it, but he's able to do it. altars are open i want somebody that needs a miracle i want you to run down to the front of this house in faith believing saying god i need you to perform a miracle in my life yes lord i need a miracle i need the miracle in my life hallelujah Come on, God can do it. He's willing to do it. Come on, Hezekiah, cry unto the Lord. Come on, woman with the issue of blood. Touch the hem of his garment. Come on, Mary, fall down at his feet. Come on, Jairus, bring him into your home. It's time to seek the unprecedented power of a loving God.
1: <laughs> God, we believe. Yes, Lord. God, we be-